Well, what's good? Hopefully this week has been good for you. I know we've had some conversations with people this past week that they have enjoyed the series because they have learned not just to talk at someone, but talk to someone. And so it's been really good to hear, especially last week as we've talked about and unpacked the language of grace, which is the language of God that as God speaks to us as who we are in Christ, we're supposed to use that same language of grace with other people. So we're going to build on that this week. When I was young, I'm sure you remember this saying as well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never yeah, hurt me. We don't know where it came from, but we do know the first time it was ever public, uh, published was in a religious publication in the late 1800s. And perhaps it was by a well-meaning person, maybe trying to encourage someone that might have been bullied or someone said something to someone and they were just trying to encourage them a little bit. And yeah, it sounds good and it's something that we want to believe. But all of us know that this cute little saying is a cute big lie. All of us would agree that if we have any experience in life, we just know it's not true. And while it might be a religious saying, it's just not in the Bible. And although it might have been inspired in sympathy it was not inspired by the holy spirit one of the verses we've been learning and sort of the foundation of the series is ephesians 4:29 no language should come from your mouth but only what is good for building someone up in need and the last part we unpacked last week was so that it gives grace to those who hear it gives grace to those who hear the word foul, as we talked about this last couple of weeks, it rigidly had two categories of meaning. Unhelpful, it was useless, not beneficial, or unhealthful, unhealthful, which was bad, toxic, harmful, abusive. So think about it. There are words many of us have carried the wounds of someone saying something unhealthful to you, something toxic, something harmful, something abusive to you. And it might have been someone who you loved, someone you looked up to, a coach, a parent, a boss, or maybe someone that mattered significantly to you, and they wounded you deeply because of unhealthful words. I want to share a personal story. About a few years ago, there was a family that we were very close to, and there were some things that happened that strained that relationship, and we wanted to make that relationship better. We we wanted to, to get it back to what it was, or at least as close to what it was. And we wanted mediation through our elder team, and they did not want to do that. Instead, they wanted to, to go with our pastor from our former church, and so we were okay with it. So Jenny and I, we went up, met in the conference room. We went around the room, and the pastor had asked, hey, what do you want when you leave here today? And everyone sort of said their thing. Hey, we want things to get back to, to normal. And I remember saying, I want an apology. Here's why. When we teach Brooke, if she has wronged someone, we want her to own that. We want her to go up to that person and say, I blew it. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for, and whatever it was, fill in the blank. We believe that that's a starting point in making that relationship right. And guys, spiritually, we do the same thing. God, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I need help. I, I apologize. I, I'm sorry, and I need to be made whole. I need to be made right. So having, the other big thing is, this is really important for all of us because if we don't recognize that we've done something that can deeply wound someone, we'll keep doing it. 
So it's really important for us to know it. And so I was like, look, I, I just want us to have a starting point. I didn't need to know that y'all recognize that your actions caused a deep wound in us. I thought I was asking something fair. Next thing I know, I'm being told, and I quote, that is an arrogant thing to ask. And I'm thinking, that's crazy. And I've had other people talk with me about that, and they said, no, you, you weren't by any stretch of the imagination. But it doesn't matter what other people say. In that moment, that was said, and I still, to this day, think about that. It has deeply wounded me and as a leader. And guys, pastors are leading through a pandemic. I've never led through a pandemic before. There's a, we're in the middle of a building campaign. We're trying to get this building built. And there are moments where I think of, man, I don't have it as a leader. I don't have what it takes as a leader. And you know what? You know what word comes to my mind? You know what I think about? That moment four years ago. I think about that. Sticks and stones may break my bones. And words really do hurt me. See, the truth is we recover from physical wounds far quicker than we do emotional ones. Words can be weapons, and weapons are often used for our protection, but also for destruction. Think about this. Proverbs 18.21, words are the power of life and death. Proverbs 12.18, it talks about how words can be sword thrust or they can be of healing. And then also Proverbs 15.1, words can turn away or they can stir up anger. And today what we're going to do is we want to uncover where these unhelpful words come from and why we use them as weapons and how we can stop using them as destructive means to get back at someone. So Jesus had a lot to say about our words and we're going to find ourselves in Matthew 15, 1 through 9. And let me give you some context of what's happening. So Jesus is being confronted by religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they're accusing him of violating the law. And so they had uh, the law, which was given by God. And what they would do, these religious leaders, so that people wouldn't sin, is they would wrap these laws up in additional rules. And so when Jesus is breaking the law, oh, he's is breaking one of their rules. It wasn't given by God. It was just put in place so they wouldn't break it. Think of an onion. You have the many layers of an onion. That's the same thing with this. So Jesus calls them out on their hypocrisy. Notice what happens. He summons the crowd and he tells them, listen and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This, this defiles a person. And then the disciples came up and told him, hey, do you know that the disciples took offense when you, when you said what you said? <laughs> and he replied, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. I'll leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. And then Peter, he said, all right, Jesus, can you explain this parable to us? And Jesus says, do you still lack understanding? All right, let's break this down. Do you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and it's eliminated? I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain what that means. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, and slander. And he, he's almost like, hey, kind of lean in. This is the last thing I want you guys to hear. 
These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, they do not defile a person. Now, the CDC, uh, whoever put them in charge, right? The most important thing they say is to minimize your risk of being uh, infected with a disease is to, yes, not, not wear a mask. No, that's not it. It's actually wash your hands, believe it or not. They do the wet, lather, scrub, rinse, dry thing. Well, you know, it's funny, 3,000 years before we, quote-unquote, discovered how diseases spread through germs, God instructed hand-washing to protect from physical harm years ago. But here's what Jesus is teaching. He's like, that's not the issue. The issue isn't ingesting something that might lead to physical harm. He's like, no, it's what comes out of your mouth. Think about that for a second. What you let outside of your mouth reveals what's inside your heart. Let's lean into something else that Jesus taught that reinforces this truth. This is Luke 6, 43, 44, 45. A a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. So he talks about figs and grapes. So like in our context, an orange tree will produce, yeah, oranges. An apple tree will produce apples, yeah. Now look, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. So the question is, what is the good? Where does the good come from? An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So you and I, we can store two things in our heart, good things and evil things, good things and evil things. Okay, what comes out of you is an indicator of what's stored inside of you. I'll say that again. What comes out of you is an indicator of what's stored inside of you. Like our unhelpful words, they come from our temperaments. But these unhealthful words, they come from the brokenness, the evil in our hearts. And so the good, where does the good come from? The good comes from God's word. Anything that is good is from God. Okay, so we have the good and it's defined by God's word of what is good. So the more intake we have of God's word, we're able to produce good. Evil is from our sin nature. Okay? Now, we weaponize our words. We store harmful, toxic things inside of us. We weaponize our words when we're afraid. We store up resentment. And can I be honest with you for a second? We're afraid of things falling apart. We're afraid of things not working out the way that we want them to work. I struggle with this. Guys, we're homeless <laughs> like as a church. Like, yeah, we could still meet at the school every first and third Sunday of the month. But I'll be honest, I struggled. And I still at times struggle with resentment with you. Other pastors, they have their building. Man, they're meeting again. People are filling up the seats. It seems great. And there are moments where I am asking God to help me through this. And he reminds me, he says, Jeff, this isn't your church. This is my church. And I'm not going to let this thing die. I've taken you this far. Why would I leave you be? Why would I, why would I leave it alone now? We've done so much. You know, sometimes we recognize our words when we've been hurt. We store up anger. 
We weaponize our words when we're discontent. We've stored up envy. We weaponize our words when we don't feel safe because we've stored up insecurity. We weaponize our words when we're hiding something. We store up guilt. I know parents, I know teachers, coaches, you've, you've seen this. When you have a student or your child and they know that they're doing something they ought not to be doing and they're hiding it, they're going at times to explode. Why? Because they're storing up all the guilt because they're doing something they know they're not supposed to do. Let me break this down in practical ways for all of us. Remember how we've done the temperaments? Yellow, red, blue, green. So for yellows, you can have fun at another person's expense because you're jealous. For those who are red, you can belittle other people effortlessly because you're angry. Blues, you can expose incompetence to compensate for your own insecurity. Greens, you can be passive-aggressive as a way to manipulate others and get what you want. You know the thing that you and I need to do is we need to guard our hearts. And I love what Proverbs 4.23 reminds us. It says, guard your heart above all else for it's the source of life. So what are you, what you are storing inside of you will eventually flow outside of you. What you are storing inside of you will eventually flow outside of you. And what flows out may be destructive, not only to you, but to other people. So there's two things that you and I can do to guard our heart. Number one, identify. Identify the harmful, broken, toxic things that are stored inside of you. And this is not going to be easy. This is going to be difficult. It might be painful. It might be emotional. But we need to do that. What, what have you captured over the years? What has influenced you? What, has been, what have you been feeding? And what are you holding on to? And what are the things you're trying to control? And we see this play out in the way, like, like have you ever been called out because you snapped at someone, but it wasn't them that was the issue. It was the thing that happened a week ago. It was the thing that happened an hour ago. It was the thing that happened a year ago. And you, and, and you just haven't dealt with it. You haven't grown through it. You haven't worked through it. And you leash out. How many of us have done that with our kids? See, for some of us, man, we're storing something in our heart that someone said to us years ago. Someone else's unhealthful words. And the second thing is to apply the language of God's grace. And what that does is it restores us. It makes us new. God wants to speak his words of grace to those harmful, broken, toxic things in your heart so that you are restored, you're redeemed, you're rescued. And the way that we do that is by reading his word, by treasuring, by memorizing his word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The beautiful thing about the resurrection is it allows us to overcome this. It allows us to overcome the broken, toxic things that are stored inside of us. So instead of saying things that are unhelpful, we can use the language of grace. What if we spent 
next week reading through Luke 6, 43, 44, and 45. What if we did it every day, and before we read it, we would ask God, could you reveal anything that I need to confess, that I need to get rid of? Could you imagine what would happen? Could you imagine the impact that that would have as, as you go into that thinking, okay, God, what, have I, what am I holding on to? What haven't I forgiven? What haven't I unleashed? What, what am I holding on to? What is influencing me? What is feeding me? What have I captured? And instead, we begin repeating and memorizing things that God says of us because we are in Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to think and review on how we've done with our words. For some of us, this was not an easy thing to hear. For some of us, we needed to hear this. And for others of us, we're still trying to ignore this. And so, Father, the thing that I'm asking for all of us, especially those who are followers of Jesus, that you will help us to speak the language of grace because that's what's spoken to us because we're in Christ. And yes, we still have those evil things that are lurking. And because of the resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, we are able to overcome those things as we memorize, as we read, as we allow your word to take root into our lives, in our hearts, into our minds. Father, for those who have yet to know Christ, and maybe someone invited them to watch and listen to this, and Father, my hope for them is to realize that they cannot overpower, they cannot overcome without you. That in order to be free and set free from that evilness, that brokenness, which their sin nature is, to them, they cannot do that without Christ, without accepting what Jesus has done for them. So, I ask that you would, you would show them that you love them, that sin has separated them, and Jesus has come to rescue them. So, Father, we surrender this upcoming week to you in the conversations that we have. May those be conversations that, one, we go into knowing who we are in Christ, and we're able to speak the language of grace to them. In Jesus' name, amen.